0: You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbookins. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble book hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Tobaccoons are fictitious and should not be cooked at home.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to RotoViz Overtime on RotoViz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined as always by my co host, the co owner of RotoViz Radio, Mr. Sean Siegel. We're going to be talking about the SFB on today's show, how our drafts are going. Mine's is still currently going, Sean's is wrapped up. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about one team we think could be quite explosive this season in terms of offense we'll be looking at some rb metrics that are up on the site to look through along with much much more so there's lots of stuff on today's show that i'm really excited to talk about so sean as i mentioned your draft is wrapped up in the sfb so mine's hopefully will be finished before the season kicks off uh true 18 rounds we're going to talk about the teams but how have you enjoyed the the draft process i always think this is one of the more fun drafts just because of the the interaction involved
3: it, definitely it was a blast And this particular draft for me was a lot of fun. I felt like uh, it, it was one of those drafts that everything was just absolutely perfect. The guys I was hoping to fall continue to fall. I think the only thing I wish had gone slightly differently would be to have been able to land one of the San Francisco running backs. We talked a little bit on the show last week about starting with that running back in round one and then hammering at wide receiver like we've talked about in some other formats it's a technique that works really well for this and so i was i was surprised to see so many running backs go but more than that i was surprised to see so many quarterbacks and tight ends go because their advantage is definitely mitigated this year. It's not that, that you can't play them. Certainly, you do want to have that quarterback in the Superflex if at all possible. However, this is, this is a very good format for wide receivers. And so it was a lot of fun to have Juju in the second, Hilton in the third, Diggs in the fourth, Cooks in the fifth, Tyler Boyd in the sixth, Mike Williams in the seventh, Fuller in the eighth. And then I was able to come back and, and even get Harry as the wide receiver 48 uh, in round 12. So it was a lot of fun to have those wide receivers go. And then the running backs I was targeting fell to me in the late round so uh this draft uh, I think was perfect how did yours go
2: yeah I thought mine was uh, well it's still going but it was a it's a hell of a lot of fun and you know just looking at your team Sean whenever up in front of me you know I think that you know that run from round one through round eight is uh is just like it's a thing of beauty in terms of how it went. Now, it's interesting what I found was you know looking at the uh, the draft ADP and how players were going. And I know uh Josh uh, ADHD Josh Hornsby had a great uh, app that people were using in terms of how the ADP was going. But it was just fascinating to see how much it varied from league to league. Like in my league, I'm just after picking up Tyler Eifert uh, in round eighteen. Uh, pick number three of that round, tight end twenty-seven, and then I, I can see in your draft. Then he's gone, you know, in the thirteenth round uh, at pick nine. So there's a five round difference between some ADPs, and that's what I find very fascinating. trying to make those judgments because Tyler Tyler uh, Boyd was somebody I wanted to get on my team, and I took him and around ahead of where you took him. Then in your draft, I took him uh, pick ten off round five. So it was like that kind of balancing act of who do you take, where do you take them, how are the runs going, you know, as or a quarterback run a tight end run uh, it was a lot of fun to strategize but overall I'm, I'm pretty happy with how the team's gone i've ended up with a couple of uh, quarterback to wide receiver stacks which i try and do in kind of basketball formats which this kind of will be as the season goes on although you're setting your lineups you're looking for the highest score at the end of the year so like i have like Kirk cousins and stefan diggs i have Uh, looking at it Andy Dalton with Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert I have Nick Foles uh, and I was interested in the Jaguars wide receivers how much they started to fall because I'm very high on D.D. Westbrook this season uh, but Marquise Lee while he has been in the lineup and healthy has tended to be that number one wide receiver on that team so I picked both of those guys I picked Marquise Lee a couple of rounds after D.D. Westbrook quite a few rounds in fact after it so both of those tagged up as well with uh, nick Foles, who was one of the later quarterbacks off so uh, you have two quarterbacks i have three quarterbacks and uh, the one part now i really do like uh, in your lineup and i was expecting it is the the wide receivers my wide receivers um after you know i have michael thomas i have uh Tyler Boyd, Stefan Diggs, and then I have Calvin Ridley, Marquis Lee, Dede Westbrook, and Andy Isabella is the latest one that I've taken. So there, there's quite a bit of, you know, I'm hoping to head on one of Lee or Westbrook out of those two is the likely situation. The interesting part I thought was how running backs developed in the draft. And like I've ended up with pretty much the the elite running backs team from like, you know, 2014. I have Adrian Peterson in there. I have uh, LaShawn McCoy, Lamar Miller uh, in there. So I have the old guys who continued to fall. And, you know, in this format where there's uh, point for first downs and points for carries I thought that those guys Leshawn McCoy I'm not even sure he mightn't even be on the bills come the start of the season but I think there'll still be an opportunity for him uh, the other one obviously even there's Kerry on Johnson uh, so I think it's gonna be fun to see how it goes along as that we get closer to the season how those depth charts change because we are obviously drafting quite a bit earlier but a real fun time and uh, once again as always thanks to Scott Fist for putting it on Sean is there any of those picks that you made that maybe if you could have a, a redo you would bounce back over and maybe change who you took at that point
3: not really in this one it just everything fell perfectly the running backs I was hoping to get late I was able to do that Uh, Ronald Jones in round 10 but then some guys who fell below where I saw them in a lot of other drafts in Deontay Foreman in round 14 Justice Hill in round 15 and then the guy I'm trying to get everywhere Darwin Thompson in round 17 a back who probably won't score any points all year but if things fall in a certain way could could put up just an avalanche of scoring. And so excited to get those guys like the tight ends. Like I mentioned, we're going off the board fast and furious. We had 44 drafted total in our league. I was easily the latest person to take the first one. And that was Greg Olson at tight end 23. And if I were to do something different, I think I would wait even more there, even though I love Olson at that level. I think that's very cheap for him, especially in a context where, you know, tight ends were being heavily valued. However, if I had waited, I would have been able to add one of those San Francisco running backs to the team as well. And I just really like the guys I got late Gerald Everett, Uh, in round 16 he's a player i expect to break out this year and so again in this environment where tight ends were so valued i think that you know there there were some opportunities to maybe play it the other way i know hassan picked his tight end in round (laughs) i don't know that cj azuma is going to score a ton of points for him but not loading up on on tight end was definitely the way to go here so you know maybe even a longer wait at that first tight end position
2: yeah, and it's interesting because uh, I took a tight end in the first round, so that, that shows the difference in the strategy. I just thought this was a fun one to experiment with uh, and to see how it goes. So it's going to be fun. I, I was going to mention Hassan and how late. I think he's the latest to draft any tight ends <laughs> in the competition so far. But overall, I, I'm very impressed, Sean, with how that lineup's uh, come through. I think it's going to be very interesting. One of the players... I like, I had this quandary a couple of times so far. You know, I, I mentioned it to Kerry on Johnson. I've thought uh, in that last pick in the 18th round that I took, I was thinking about maybe taking CJ Anderson to, you know, give you that insurance. But what I'm looking at, you know, at this stage is trying to have players that are going to give you uh, that upside in terms of what they can do. And it was the same situation with Deontay Foreman. When I had taken Lamar Miller, I had thought about possibly taking him, but it would have been my third running back. So it would have been kind of running backs, you know, into not two rounds but like it was a six round spot but it would have been taking the two of them uh, and having them in there and there's a possibility then you really end up with no real strength though I was kind of taking one shot but I've been interested too uh, you know in how you've looked at the tight ends this offseason and I've seen you draft Gerald Everett quite a bit so uh, he's somebody who could be very interesting this year so it's gonna be you you could be getting a huge value with him with the way you've been drafting him recently so that's interesting to see but uh, with that let's jump in and talk about some of the other stuff we're excited about this season in terms of one particular offense. So before we get into that offense, I want to give you an opportunity to let you know about Rotoviz Patreon. We've mentioned on the last few shows, it is back. It's better than ever. It's involving the Rotoviz Radio Slack. We have quite a few groups on there. We have Dynasty. We have Redraft. The Redraft obviously is going to kick off later in the offseason. Lots of different parts and different questions that you can ask in there in the different groups. And it is building up day by day. More, More of our listeners jumping in there. More of our hosts and writers are in there as well. And those Patreon ships start from just $6 a month uh, that gives you exclusive access to the road of his radio slack where you can get league one advice from many of our podcasts and writing team it also gives you first dibs to our listener leagues and those spots are going to be starting to fill up in the next week or so i know i was talking to hassan before we started recording today we're in the process of starting to get those set up uh, as we move forward here so make sure you get involved and in, in that nine dollar tier as well as we have mentioned you get some sweet road of his merchandise at the end of the season become a road of his radio patreon today and join the exclusive 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 community of listeners access premium content and get help with all your league burning questions uh, and of course it helps support the podcast network that is patreon.com forward slash rotoviz radio as always as well at the start of the show we'd like to let you know that you can get a 10 percent discount to a rotoviz nfl pass it is available through the podcast homepage right now that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast do not miss out on that get ready for the season that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast so sean as we do jump ahead here you've written on the website this past week about a coaching change that will unleash this absolutely loaded offense now looking at our sfb teams we have quite a few of these guys on our rosters so far so i'm hoping this is a good omen but you talked about how last year the rams hired or sorry in 2017 hired sean mcveigh and how they had doubled their output over the last couple of seasons in terms of their offensive kind of production, led them to the Super Bowl, how productive they've been for fantasy uh, over the last couple of seasons with guys like Todd Gurley, Robert Woods. uh, You know, there's just so much production down there, Branton Cooks and so on. So who is the team this season for the listeners who haven't yet read the piece that you think could be about to have a big breakout?
3: Well, my guy, Tyler Boyd, made the claim in the offseason here a few weeks ago that the Bengals have the best offense in the NFL. And anybody who I think has followed the Bengals that closely over the last four, five, six years are thinking to themselves, well, that sounds a little bit crazy. And, And the Bengals were middle of the pack in points last year. They were near the bottom in yards. But I think the first thing that jumps out to me is that when you look at them and you look at... The playmaking options. They are one of what I believe is just four teams that have two stud wide receivers and a top tier running back. And those teams would be the Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, who obviously are incredibly trendy this year, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Los Angeles Rams. And just then kind of quickly going into it, we see that, okay, Baker Mayfield. If you've read Blair's article, you know that that second-year leap for quarterbacks is a real thing. Obviously, even if you didn't know that, you'd probably be very enthusiastic about Mayfield based on how last year ended the additions they have. He's going fairly early. Goff and Cousins, maybe not quite as high because of how Goff finished last year because of the potential changes with the Vikings offense that would probably knock down that passing volume. But they're still going far, far ahead of Andy Dalton. And so you and I both picked him in the SFB. We both picked Boyd, so we both had that stack. He's a guy where if this offense breaks out, then suddenly I think he becomes a very interesting pick really across formats. When you're trying to get your best ball selection, when you're trying to wait in a redraft, when you get caught out a little bit in dynasty and no one wants to trade with you because there's nobody on waivers, then maybe Dalton is that guy you can pick up a little bit less expensively. Colin, would you buy that, that the Bengals are one of just this tiny handful of teams that has those two wide receiver stars and the big time running back?
2: I agree with you in terms of the the production that we seen from them last year, and the the, the kind of step up we might see this year. In terms of, I've never been a huge fan of Joe Mixon, but I think if you look at you know him as a workhorse back, I do think there is that upside for him to do that. You know, I would have him in that same tier as Dalvin Cook in terms of running backs. So I do agree with you there. You probably have chubb in that same tier, maybe just slightly above as well. And I agree with you on the wide receivers. Now it's interesting to note. I have heard people talk recently about AJ Green and in terms of where his big years of production and how far they're tending to to drift back into the background. But I think when he's on the field and when he's healthy, there's like there's there's not many that are better than them on their day. So I think the combination of those two and mixing um, Giovanni Bernard still there as well. So you do have the two of those out of the backfield, and then I I, I mentioned Tyler Eifert. You have that hopefully healthy red zone weapon if he can if he can ever make it through the whole 16 game season so dalton's somebody who i've always kind of targeted over the years and it's because while he's not that elite level quarterback and he's arguably not going to be a top 12 quarterback most seasons in terms of his overall nfl production he's kind of that quarterback who's going to give you probably top 16 most seasons so he's he's just at that average line and you can uh you know the thing he always seems to get those couple of rushing touchdowns every year he's always kind of done well for me based on where you draft him so i definitely think he's a he's an interesting quarterback uh, this season i think if, and if you look at where the quarterbacks are going I think it's a very unusual year for quarterback because it's perceived that there's so much upside in the quarterback kind of market but I do think that there is the potential for some of those older guys to start to really drop off as they as they hit kind of that age cliff you know we've never really seen quarterbacks at the age they are currently having the production they have so maybe it will be the new norm but I also think we have to just maybe temper our expectations a little bit not everyone's going to continue like tom brady playing uh, at the level he has until this point in time and even himself you know getting that a little bit older again uh we'll see what happens but dalton in this offense is somewhere i think the value is there i remember we we sean were probably just a little bit too early last year because i know we were really talking about the opportunity to buy into the cleveland browns we were talking about chubb we were talking about landry and you know things just didn't click until that midpoint of the season i remember last year the two of us talking about Tyrod Taylor and how the offense would go with Taylor and the offense. It was really when Taylor was out of the offense with the injury that the offense started to really kind of find a a little bit of uh, momentum and then it obviously got the situation where the head coach changed and that really did elevate things so we were probably a little bit early there but I think in terms of the Bengals this year I think there's a similar scenario where we see things start to pick up for them so I do think like if you look back to a couple of years ago he was on a kind of an almost an MVP level season until he broke his thumb uh, late in the season and I think if they can get uh, everyone healthy and get ready for the season I think we're going to see a very very interesting season so like you i'm buying tyler boyd based on his his current price and his value now i've had a few people uh both on dms and on, on tweets contact me to say in terms of you know the value of those two wide receivers and why are we you know both of us talking on the show uh and i know he really is your guy uh in terms of tyler boyd why are we so optimistic on what he can do this season is there anything in specific that has you as optimistic because you know, we talked about the breakout opportunities last year, but now we're looking this year at him really taking himself to, uh, you know, a superstar wide receiver. What's, what's your thoughts on that? And maybe are we a little bit too high on our expectations for Tyler Boyd?
3: I, I think not. I think it's actually definitely in the other direction. You know, jumping in with Dalton, there were just a, a few more of the numbers for him, right? He's someone who's really a, maybe a discount Matt Ryan, and I think someone who can be the Kirk Cousins maybe plus in this new offense he had 2011 2012 started off his career much hotter than a lot of these guys and then in his third season 2013 he was the qb3 right only peyton manning and drew Brees outscored him, which seems really hard to believe you know kind of looking back on what's happened the last several years but then in 2015 he tied matthew stafford to be the qb8 on a point-per-game basis, 2016, he was the got his second QB12 finish. So he's been in there. And then the Bengals went through that kind of time period where they were doing some things with their offense that was very similar to what Jeff Fisher was doing with the Rams before the Rams really changed gears. And so it's maybe not a huge surprise that he and the Bengals were not good during that time period, because you really do need to have both an intent to score and a scheme that will allow you to score. And they didn't have that. But then in 2018, they moved back in a more positive way. And I think people are sleeping on the Bengals because of the injuries, right? So we had AJ green get injured midseason. before that happened. Andy Dalton was averaging over 22 points per game after the injury, before Dalton's injury himself down at 14 points per game right Dalton was on a a 4,200 yard 34 touchdown pace when Green went down which would have given him numbers that slid right in there between Breeze and Cousins so if they can stay healthy that potential is there even before we factor in any kind of bounce from Zach Taylor you mentioned Tyler Boyd right Tyler Boyd had the good season last year but the Dalton injury really did kill it where he was averaging over 16 and a half points a game before Dalton gets knocked out, down at 12 and a half when Dalton gets injured. was on a, a 92, 12, 23, and nine pace before the Dalton injury, which even if you just look at the stats that he ended up with, you go into the road of his screener, you project him out for this next season, you get as high as wide receiver 12, right? So you think about wide receiver 12 versus where Boyd's actually going, Then you factor in a potentially healthy Andy Dalton, and then you factor in this big positive change they're going to make with their offensive scheme. And, you know, there's a ceiling probably, right? It's not like he's going to outscore a Julio. It's not like he's going to outscore Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas. But, I mean, he could be that Randall Cobb plus kind of guy. And think about how early Cobb would go, how many points Cobb would go right there at the peak for him. So I really think that the sky is still the limit for Tyler Boyd.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited again. I think last year was kind of where we were hoping to go, and then we're looking for it to, to push even further this year. And, you know, you actually, um, you know, if you have him in green, and I, I think something that really can open it up is, if, uh, I mentioned Eifert, obviously had a, a bad injury last year again, but if we can get him in there again, I think it could be a really um, exciting year. I think they're one of the teams that are kind of just sliding under the radar. People aren't talking about them, you know, in terms of what they could potentially do in that division and I think they could be really really good this year is there any other players and that team you know we I mentioned you know I'm not a huge fan of Mixon, but I do think there's a lot of value there it was mainly my issue was when he was coming out of college I wasn't a big fan of the stuff that had happened in college with him in terms of the off the field stuff and I tend then to to stay away from those sort of players same this year for example and since Tyreek Hill come into the league I haven't really owned him either so there's some situations like that but do you think he could potentially bump up this year into that kind of Melvin Garden McCaffrey kind of role in terms of how much production he could get in this offense
3: I do we saw Todd Gurley jump from 12.5 points a game to 25.8 going from the bad coaching situation to to the elite coaching situation. Now, you know, you always have to take into consideration that just someone who works for Sean McVay isn't necessarily going to be Sean McVay. He's almost certainly not, but intent does matter. These guys who are coming in with these more aggressive offensive systems, everything is set up to score more points, right? And so you look at what the Rams did. And when you factor in rushing and receiving to the running back position, they managed a 70 point increase in expected points. When they went from Fisher to McVeigh. Beyond that, they went on a 120 plus point jump in points over expectation. So their running game just was completely revolutionized. And I think that we're going to see this with the Bengals, where we don't necessarily know that Joe Mixon is a talent at that level but certainly he seems like an above average nfl running back and certainly when you're looking at guys to buy who might still have a little bit of room to run in that very dangerous second round area for running backs you want someone who's an above average talent who may be suddenly in one of the very best environments for running back scoring and i think that the Bengals' offense is going to be that this year
2: Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the season-long home of high-stakes fantasy football. It's been ten years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and now they've grown to the world's largest dynasty league commissioner, with leagues starting as high as five thousand dollars to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at seventy-seven dollars and up in standard superflex and best ball formats. And if you're ready for the greatest challenge, kick on this year's ffpc main event what exactly is the ffpc main event it's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football and this year it's coming to you with a half a million dollar grand prize and over 3.1 million in total prizes you can go to las vegas for the three day long weekend of live drafts and festivities at the planet hollywood resort and casino or draft online from the comfort of your own home Find out more about the FFPC main event and the deadline is coming up in just a few days on the 22nd of July. So do not miss out. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That is myffpc.com, the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football.
0: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy by Duckhorn, Elevate Your Occasion. Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.
2: So, Sean, jumping in now to the third quarter. And this is a piece we've kind of looked into some of the stuff we talked about last week that Ryan uh, Collinsworth had up on the site looking at running backs. And he's looking now at running backs and basically how maybe the values have switched over the last couple of years in terms of PPR rush totals versus receiving totals um, in a season and how we should maybe be. Um, you know, valuing those running backs moving forward. I think probably myself and yourself will probably feel uh, very agreeable with the work Ryan's done here in terms of how it shows up these running backs um, and how, how it's going to affect the scoring. But I thought it was really, really interesting work that he's put forward on the site he's been doing the series over the last couple of weeks and there's uh, i think it's up to five parts now on the site looking into it but some really fascinating stuff coming particularly with the kind of the passing revolution how the scoring has increased over the last couple of seasons uh was there anything sean in particular that stood out to you straight off the bat looking at it in terms of some of the players maybe it was suggesting or were they kind of the the players that maybe that we have been discussing over the weeks in terms of how we target those uh you know running back one and running back twos
3: yeah this is absolutely fantastic work by ryan it really allows you to see with the different visuals that he has the the different trends that are going on and the first thing he talks about is that over the last 17 years running back one production so you're talking about that full running back one tier has decreased 9.7 percent, despite the 7.4 percent rebound last season and that that's mostly due to a decrease in rushing volume, that the PPR rushing production has dropped 29% in this tier and shows really no signs of a beating. However, that's very balanced by a 24.7% increase over the last couple of seasons in PPR receiving scoring. And so then the big takeaway is that for the first time running back one production is approximately a 50-50 split between rushing and receiving points, right? And he points out that historically that split has been much uh, much closer to two to one. And that gives you a sense of just how big this shift is, just how important this trend is, and then what that means for the running backs that we're seeing in this group. And he breaks it down here. He's got Saquon Barkley, who is almost 50-50. We have Christian McCaffrey, who is actually 40-60, 60% 60 of his falling on the receiving side, 55-45 for Ezekiel Elliott, Kamara, almost 50-50. Gordon has that 55-45 split. David Johnson had that same split last year, but when you look back and when you look forward, you certainly would expect him to be one of those guys who in 2019 could actually have a 55% (laughs) receiving split with his numbers. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell, you're very close. And then we have Connor, Mixon, Gurley, who are over 60% on the rushing side, and then Chubb, who is actually above 75%. On the rushing side and so very quickly what jumps out to me and what definitely jumped out to Ryan and was his point within his article in terms of who to target who to be a little bit concerned about here Chubb does not have the profile of a running back one and so I think that makes him a very dangerous selection especially when you look at some of the teammates that he's going to have to deal with at some points in time the other guy for me that is a big concern and his ADP is not through the ceiling or anything like that it's not that you're necessarily going to be killed by him but james connor with now having samuels having a guy that i absolutely love and try and get everywhere and I'm a little disappointed to have lost him in a couple of recent drafts late in benny snell when you look at connor's profile Compared to what a big-time running back one does, you look at how their offense might shift a little bit. You look at the competition. I think he also is someone who is a little bit of a red flag in that range. Of these guys that he mentioned, any particular ones that you that stand out to you as guys to either target or avoid
2: the one that really stood out to me was uh Nick Chubb in terms of that split like his it's a, you know it's a 3-1 to split 75-25 uh, and I, I was surprised just as to how high that was I know he had quite a few runs last year that led to a lot of points in certain games you know longer runs but it's uh it's interesting to see it's that high I wasn't expecting it to be quite that much but it is it's really interesting to see the splits and the other one that I was very interested in is Dalvin Cook because you know I would have thought that you know they the, because the talk was around how much they wanted to Run the ball last year, even though with the two wide receivers they have, for Cook to have fifty-two, almost fifty-three percent of his uh, total coming through the air, um, and obviously I've mentioned that I've drafted Kirk Cousins, who I think is going a little bit underrated this year, in drafts as a quarterback, but that's another receiving option that would be there for him. So I think Cook stands out as another interesting one there. But uh, it's it's very fascinating to see it broken into the splits, and you know he's talking then about some of the underrated options. He's talking about Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, Damian. Williams carry on Johnson Kenyon Drake Tariq Cohen and James White if you look at like Cohen and White it's almost the flip reversal um off what we have in Nick Chubb so theirs is you know 26 to 74 basically both of them very very similar in terms of their numbers uh you know a lot of their work as we would expect coming in the receiving game uh, Kenyon Drake 37 to 63 and then carry on Johnson with uh almost 42 percent in the rushing game so uh, as I mentioned already carry on Johnson somebody I'm very interested, in Damien Williams, we would have thought a lot of his work last year would have come through the air, but almost 50-50 for him. And then Leonard Fournette with a 60-40 to 40 split there. But it's very interesting looking down through the different, you know, the, the splits and, and how they're performing how the scores have been impacted over basically the, the last kind of 15 or 16 years but when I get down then Sean, somewhere where we always like to, to start to target as those kind of potential running backs who maybe aren't in that top tier but are slightly just below that and I know we're, we're trying to get these guys as late as we possibly can was there anyone in that running back two group that that stood out for you as a possible um, interesting uh, person to try, and, to try and grab in some of your drafts this year based on the information there I think a lot of the guys that are in the top half of that list are probably outside of the range where we're looking at running backs currently but I was surprised to see somebody like Lamar Miller who when he was in Miami we would have thought a lot about his work in the passing game and you know last year we know how much they want to run the ball for the, the Houston offense, how that offense is kind of broken down with Deshaun Watson to try and get a lot of uh, different concepts in there. But Lamar Miller with less than 30% last year coming in at just 27% of his work through the air, you know, I, I would think that there's possibly going to be an increase there for him in that work. Uh, Chris Carson coming in with. Eighty-two point three percent in terms of his work on the ground. Sony Michelle with only eight point five percent of his work through the air, which is the the lowest out of all the numbers I've seen. So, what was your thoughts there? You know, do you think it's better to be in a situation where maybe we see somebody like Derek Henry with only a twelve point three percent through the air, and then we have somebody like Dion Lewis who's getting the kind of flip side of that? Do you think it's better to have kind of 50 50 or do you think it's going to be better to have that higher end split? I I would rather have somebody who's going to get work in, in, in both areas.
3: The interesting thing here in terms of of what Ryan is presenting to us, too, which, again, I think is really cool, is that he shows how the trends for these two running back tiers were very similar through most of the time period in terms of the rush splits and the receiving splits. The running back two tier was just scoring fewer points. Right. That's why they were the running back two tier. However, within the past several years, we've seen them go in completely different directions. And whereas the running back one tier has this 50 split, we now have the running back two tier has moved in the opposite direction where they're getting most of their value from the running game. And that for me just highlights why those guys, number one, are not in the running back two t- one tier and number two, why they are so dangerous. Right. We've talked a lot on the show and on the site about that third, fourth round range of running backs and how you just want to avoid that like the plague. Right, It's so dangerous for drafters and, and it extends really into the fourth and fifth rounds as well where you do not want any part of those guys. The numbers show us, history shows us that they are killing fantasy teams and here Ryan's research is really hammering home why that is. And it's the fact that they're getting their numbers in the running game. They're not getting those receptions. And so they have both a very low ceiling and a catastrophic floor, right? So anytime you're going out there and you're hitting these guys that have that profile, you're really asking to to lose that position and to just simply not have enough points to keep up. Derrick Henry is being drafted in this group based on that massive finish he had to last season. Uh, Ryan picks him out as, as one of the definite landmines to avoid we have some some fun guys like philip lindsey who had a 70 30 split and now you know faces a real threat from royce freeman you've got guys like michelle like ingram like carson who i mean they're going to face a big threat from other backs on their team and don't have that profile that we want anyway it's certainly one of the reasons why i've been avoiding lamar miller and loading up on Deontay Foreman is not just that I think Foreman at this point in their careers is likely to be the better back. He's a guy who had a fantastic projection in some of our models coming out of college, but also simply that the Lamar Miller isn't going to do anything, for him, right? So you don't want to be on board with him anyway in those in that situation where you've got to still pick him in a range where you can get players at other positions who are going to have much more upside are going to be much better for you in terms of roster construction so when you're thinking about upside and roster construction together all of these guys in this running back two tier here are people who should go on your do not draft list
2: and when we look at them the two players that you know i mentioned there' sonny michelle you know if you look at where he's getting drafted and you're playing in a ppr format realistically you know we're looking at having to get weekly touchdowns you know you're looking to, to get a return on in your investment you're going to probably have to have you know a kind of a, a 15 or 16 touchdown season to really start to get up close to it because if you're getting not literally nothing through uh the ppr side of things it's gonna be really hard to get that value um, and it's really when you look down through it it is kind of a tear you know, I do like Jones and I do like Mac as players, but it's going to be very, very hard to get full returns. I think Jones could potentially lead himself into a situation where he is the lead back in Green Bay, and obviously that's going to have a huge value. But, um, you know, this current ADP. I think it's just a little bit too high as well. But when we look down through it, you know, I think it's just a, a great piece of work by Ryan. I would highly recommend all the, the listeners to go and check it out. There is, uh, I think, am I right, Sean, there's five pieces up currently on the site? Yeah,
3: he's he's going crazy with this. And it's one of these where it's not the series that is stringing things out and is cutting into pieces just to make it more articles, right? The, we had to cut this article down just to be able to do it in a segment on the show because there is so much information in it, right? So when you go in and, and check this stuff out from Ryan, you're going to absolutely love it. Just one quick note before we go into the fourth quarter here. The Jones enthusiasm, I think, could be rewarded in that you look at his splits that 70 30 split but you look at jones he's someone who really is still emerging as a player he's had some of those injuries battled through them he's the guy we absolutely loved coming out of college and he has more of that athletic profile that would lead to an increase in receiving he's that middle size he's got elite agility he's got that explosive athleticism that you can see in his uh, leaping numbers from the combine and the packers have made it very clear that they expect to get him more involved in the receiving game so if there's a breakout back in that group i would expect it to be jones based on his profile and what the packers want to do with him
2: So, Sean, jumping into the fourth quarter now, looking here at the, another piece you've up on this site knows about the rotovis his See a Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, G- James Connor, Chimera, and a trendy sleeper. And we're looking at the sleeper. And the sleeper, I think, may have uh, awoken over the last kind of uh, maybe seven days if you look at how the ADP has really started to spike. And that is uh, Justin Jackson. Um, you know off the um, uh, LA Chargers almost still said San Diego Chargers but the big news obviously had been with this as well that there's the the talk that uh, Melvin Gordon may look to sit out camp for a little while and how things shake out there with him and the Chargers if he holds out for a new contract uh, what did you uh, find out and had you this I'm guessing you had this already hit on before uh, before the news came out of Gordon
3: yeah so Justin Jackson was going to be one of the guys in my Uh, top 10 sleeper list and now he's not because
2: because, (laughs) (laughs) he's awake he's
3: awake right no longer down in that deep group it was kind of crazy because the the gordon news broke and then just across all of the sfb leagues that i was following boom jackson goes off the board which which is interesting it's kind of cool it shows that people definitely are aware that he was there and on that roster and you sort of wonder what the thesis is for all of the different people taking him, because you could see this going a number of different directions. We had an awesome article on the site by Curtis Patrick looking at Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson. People have been listening now that we've talked about Eckler on the show all the time. One of the most athletic backs in the entire league. And Curtis was pointing out, that while Jackson's ADP immediately skyrocketed, we saw a much smaller move from Eckler. And his question there was: you know, should that be the case? Now you can pull up the really cool road of his game splits app, see what these guys did with and without Melvin Gordon, since Melvin Gordon's missing games last year. You can see that Jackson's PPR numbers jumped from five to 10, 10 is immediately getting you into that range where the person is pretty playable in terms of a flex position, in terms of a running back too. all of those kinds of things there where you get late in that season and, and you know, you, you'll take any running back that can get you double figures uh, that you can possibly get your hands on. The interesting thing though is that while Eckler's numbers actually didn't change, it was kind of fluky because his usage changed quite a bit. Right. His receptions almost doubled, his rush attempts more than doubled, and he didn't get this big point spike because he wasn't as efficient with his touchdown scoring, wasn't as efficient with his yardage either. And so the two of those things kind of obscure the fact that Eckler is the guy who still was the very clear running back one within that committee when they were both sort of healthy and going there. So Eckler, someone you definitely wanted before with this news, you want to try and be grabbing him anywhere. But I did have some thoughts on Jackson. And I think people are making this play as a volume play. You know, the, once you're late into these drafts, as soon as you think that you have a committee, then you want to pounce on those players, especially in a situation where you have the chargers team that should score. Right, This is going to be an explosive offense, so you want those committee backs. But beyond volume, we have some really exciting uh, pieces of evidence for Jackson that he could not just be a guy, not just be a volume person here in a committee with Eckler, but he could actually be a star. And so that's what we went into in the running back in in this article a little bit. Colin, out of the, the different guys that we mentioned, we had the McCaffrey connection, we had the Aaron Jones connection, we had the Philip Lindsay connection, and we had the James Conner connection. Which of those really jumped out to you as being the biggest positive for Jackson in terms of his resume?
2: I think we're I think we we'll would be looking more at the the McCaffrey connection because I, I do think like you mentioned there when the game split uh happened without Garden, we did see Eckler kind of get that Russian work and I, I think that that there's something that we would see a situation where I, I know McCaffrey got a huge amount of Russian work but in terms of what he did through the air that was kind of where we've seen the expected points coming from and I think that could be something similar if you're looking at at Jackson now I just don't know if Eckler in terms of as a running back you you mentioned the efficiency i think there was just a lot of things that didn't work out when they did that last year the injury happened the team did change what they did on offense quite a bit in those games without melvin garden so i think the team was almost out of sync when they were trying to do those things uh tried to change up a lot of different parts i think then when you look at ecular you could be looking more at that philip Lindsay kind of role i think if you if i was comparing the two guys to two players that would be the way i'd be separating them up in this in this instance and i know people will say well you're comparing one to Christian McCaffrey do you think that you would rather him out of the two players I think I would still rather Austin Eckler based on what I think that he can do and the, the as I know we're talking about the kind of the 50-50 split I think we would see the the production coming from uh, Jackson and more more of a split towards the the passing game uh, I don't know if you agree with that but that would be the way I would be looking at the two would you would you agree with that or would you think it would uh, would be a different story
3: I think it's very hard to tell where the charters are going to go with this in part because both backs have a hybrid profile both backs really have a lot of potential in receiving game we should go back and mention why we have this mccaffrey connection right because it seems like this name of oh christian mccaffrey who is the unbelievable superstar a lot of people now think the you know the running back one overall and all of the research that we do comes back with these Two things in terms of running back projection, which is production, not surprisingly, and athleticism, and that athleticism actually plays a much bigger role in projecting running backs than it does wide receivers. So, the first thing we want to do then is, is figure out, well, what's Justin Jackson like? And so, you can load up our really cool Combine Explorer on the site there and find out who the most similar. Other running backs are in the NFL. And so the thing that I think is cool here is if you pull up Christian McCaffrey, the second most similar running back in terms of combine results is Justin Jackson. When you pull up Justin Jackson, the second most similar running back is Christian McCaffrey. So you have these guys there who have a lot of athletic similarities. Jackson is a, a 199, a 4.5, 240, which isn't anything fancy at that weight, certainly, but that 38 vertical. He's got a 6'8", 3-cone. So you're talking about another one of these guys that we really love, where very explosive, electric agility, perfect for the passing game. And then we go into this next connection where we have Philip Lindsay, right? And Philip Lindsay is a guy who was this fantastic athlete, massive numbers in the backfield dominator rating, and yet nobody wanted him. Well, a similar thing happened to Jackson, where he's this good athlete, and yet despite incredible numbers – in college he falls to to pick 251 in the draft you're talking about a guy again who athletically comes to christian mccaffrey and on the college football field he went four consecutive seasons with over 1,350 yards from scrimmage four consecutive seasons right 122 college receptions so you're talking about a, a back who was as productive as you could possibly be and as good as a runner. He's fantastic as a receiver. And then you kind of do the the final step and you combine those things. You pull up our box score scout and you say, okay, draft position, size athleticism, and production. Who is he most similar to? And the name that gets spit out is Aaron Jones, who we talked about in the last section, uh, the last segment and how much we like him. So when you start to see these big names come up in comparison to Justin Jackson, then the first thing that pops into your mind is, okay, well, when Le'Veon Bell held out last year, what happened in Pittsburgh? And again, it's there's complications here because we have Eckler in play and we love both of these guys. But certainly I don't think it's possible that you see not quite what James Conner did because that's going to be you know, a, a once-in you know five ten years kind of thing but if you told me that one of these guys was going to come out and be a mid-level running back one this season i don't think that's impossible now i also don't think melvin gordon's going to leave but you really want to be on top of this backfield it's going to score a lot of fantasy points
2: yeah i'd agree there and i'm going to put you on the spot sean it's a it's a, a one or two word answer and it's out of the two guys at the current adp based on the news over the last week and how that has kind of shifted which guy would you be wanting to have on your roster in 2019?:
3: I think you'd probably want Jackson. he's still a little bit less expensive, but I, I own Eckler everywhere so very, very different yeah. in terms of how I, <laughs> how I feel about this position.:
2: Yeah, I, I still have an edge towards Eckler, but it'll be interesting to see how the ADP goes over the next uh, couple of the kind of month or so, but two guys that are going to be very fun to watch this season uh, for the Chargers.) <laughs> so jumping into overtime sean we're going to talk a little bit about a recent piece up on the site uh, by travis may and i know we're going to have a lot of different debbie and uh, ncaa content coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks and next couple of months as we get ready for that as well so we al- always talk about the nfl here but travis uh, along with curtis patrick has done a great job on the the dynasty uh, command center talking over the last couple of weeks about players maybe a year down the line that 2020 class and how we need to know about those guys but we're also having that content up on the site too so it's great to, to have all angles covered on both the podcast and the site but uh what sean has uh, stood out for you recently
3: yeah the dynasty command center absolutely must listen travis's new article is the nfl university right and which program has produced the most nfl studs so if you're looking to get ready for your nca watching you've got a Devi team that you're going to draft here i know a lot of the Devi formats that i'm in tend to draft here sort of late in the off season. And so a lot of those drafts still coming up. And one of the things that Debbie owners like to do is they really load up on these players from places like Alabama, Clemson, make sure that you have these next people in the pipeline who, uh, you know, even if they don't end up being good college players, I mean, Josh Jacobs, like third string running back. (laughs) And then now the number one running back being drafted. It's almost like you can't miss if you draft an Alabama player because it doesn't even matter if they're good it doesn't even matter if they're athletic they're going to be drafted early in the NFL draft they're going to be drafted early in rookie drafts and then you know if you don't want them because they weren't good you can just spin them to somebody else right now so I was going to ask you which university do you think has produced the most fantasy football points since 2000?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm terrible when it comes to anything outside of the NFL but uh <laughs> i'm gonna guess it's not alabama even though they would probably have the the highest level of drafted prospects coming through coming through the ranks
3: it is not it's not and i'm gonna let people go to the site (laughs) to see that it's not alabama it's not clemson it's not one of these names that you would think and so i i think that's a really interesting question that he's interested obviously he goes into it in a lot more detail and gives you a sense of where these players are coming from most recently uh I also want to mention Travis's recent article on the adjusted production index, where he took some of our metrics where we're looking at market share production from wide receivers and then also per play production, right? So you go in there and see how many yards did the player gain per team passing attempt? How many touchdowns did they score for team passing attempt? And really put those together, created a metric that lets you see that balance of market share dominance and per play explosion rank the receivers the college guys there the receiver position is incredibly exploitable in your rookie draft which means that again in your dynasty as it goes through those first couple years i mean that's how you win your dynasty league is by exploiting those holes in wide receiver adp and we talk a lot about how okay how do you want to approach your redraft format you want to hit the guys when they're second year wide receivers getting ready to explode if you go and you look at our site rankings we're higher on a lot of these second year wide receivers than anybody else but there are also a handful of guys that we're not as high on because they are being overdrafted based on their college performance, which still matters. College performance is still a very important element of projecting guys into their second season. So if you want to really exploit this area that is critically important for both Dynasty and for that for that redraft league that you're in, make sure you go in and you check that out. One of the things I'd like to mention before we go off today is that we're going to have a lot of NCAA coverage this season we're gonna have a lot of NCA DFS, an area where you know you can really get a big edge on the competition. We've got this fantastic cast of guys who follow this very closely and are excellent writers. People who are longtime listeners, longtime readers of the site know that Jordan Hoover, who writes When the Debbie Breaks, is one of the best college football writers in the industry. Obviously, Travis. Curtis, those two guys with the Dynasty Command Center stuff to the, the very highest thought of most well thought of guys in the entire industry and having a lot of content with NCADFS and then Debbie and Dynasty to where if you want to transition sort of through that time period right now, if you subscribe, you're going to get all of our content for next spring as part of that package and so you'll be able to hammer the nca the nfl draft you'll be able to hammer your rookie draft you'll be able to hammer your debris draft um and then just on top of that you know we talked a lot today about ryan collinsworth and he's also going to be part of that package a really good debbie voice there so if you've been impressed by any of those guys individually certainly as a group they're going to be doing big things for us so make sure to head over and, and check out the work of those guys
2: yeah, it's going to be awesome. We really the the, the team that is uh, together at the moment on the site and the podcast team is just uh, it's fantastic to see the development, the growth, and uh, the the c- kind of the roster I guess that's been put together on both sides. Uh, and of course, as we mentioned earlier in the show, you can get a ten percent discount to the Rotoviz NFL Pass through the podcast homepage rotoviz forward slash podcast, and that'll get you all that content and also helps support the podcast as i mentioned at the start of the show also the road of his patreon is up and running get yourself involved in the road of his slack i think that's gonna be a lot a lot of fun as we get closer to the nfl season as i mentioned if you're interested in getting in early on those drafts and we will be setting up those leagues that is one way to make sure that you gain access that is true the road of his patreon that is patreon.com forward slash road and really that's going to wrap things up and until we're back to have another show next week of course we're back to that weekly schedule getting ready for the season make sure you have all your information for your drafts and to help you win your leagues this season so until we're back with another one my name's is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and my co-host today is mr sean siegel who you can follow ff underscore contrarian until we're back with another one have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.
3: Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is
1: one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.